So what happens when you combine my insane curiosity with some of the world's most interesting people? You end up with incredible conversations full of stories, insights, and the defining moment that made them who they are today. This is The David Spizak Show. Hi, I'm David Spizak, and thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You know, it's October, and you know, while most kids and a lot of families are going to be thinking about October for one reason, one reason only, and that is, hey, we're heading towards Halloween, and isn't it a great time when kids get to decide, they get to choose what they want to wear, they get to choose what they want to portray on Halloween get to choose well for the most part where they go what neighborhoods they're going to visit what houses they're going to knock on and their hopes are that as they knock on those doors those doors are going to open and they're going to be well not surprised but greeted with a variety of treats right and but what i think about as we're in october is that we're just a month away roughly from voting day and this is a pretty big vote Right. This is a midterm election. And while, hey, let's be honest, the presidential elections every four years, that's what gets, you know, most of the sizzle. That's what gets most of the attention. But the reality is this election, midterm elections in general, tend to be um, quite important. They could be game changing. They could be transformative. In this case, we could see a significant shift in terms of the control in the House and potentially a shift in the House in terms of from the Democratic side. It's right now 50-50 with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker, although that that really hasn't seemed to amount to anything because we need a majority in most cases in the Senate. But it could shift to Republican control. And so there's some really big elections going on, including Georgia and other, other areas where it can tip the tables in one favor or the other. And listen, I'm really not here to talk about a Democratic position or Republican position. In fact, if you were to ask me, listen, I prefer to approach everything from a very pragmatic position. I'm somebody who tends to follow the money when it comes to any type of measures that are on the ballot. I need I just need to know who's backing that measure. And because I'm going to that's going to tell me really um, why that money is out there and how does it benefit whoever it is that's bankrolling a particular um, initiative or a particular uh, measure on the ballot. But, you know, the thing that strikes me more than anything is that as we go into these elections, it seems like every election cycle, things get to be more and more pointed and more and more extreme and more and more divisive. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you think about it, the things that are top of mind in this election, and depending on somebody being a Democratic, uh, on the Democratic persuasion, the Republican side of the equation, you know, those are completely different ideologies that are at work. The interesting thing, again, though, is we all live in the same country. Um, to me, one thing that just pops into my head as we go further and further down this path towards divisiveness and what feels like the divided states of America rather than the United States of America, is if you go way back uh, roughly, what, 170 years or so, uh, a a gentleman by the name of Sam Houston, 
uh, proclaimed, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. And yet here we are going down the path clearly of becoming more and more divided. And it, it just occurs to me that we don't seem to have as many people interested as we used to in terms of understanding, seeking understanding. Why is it that people on the other side of the aisle feel the way they do? Where did that come from? Do we really think people on the other side, whether we're Republican or Democrat, do we really think that other side is truly evil? I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be a sensible stance to take. Now, I understand that people get emotional about issues like abortion. I get it. People get emotional about things like gun control. I get it. About the economy. I get it. Inflation. I get it. I get it. These are all emotional issues. Mass shootings, right? I get it. But the thing is, is that we seem to oftentimes devolve as a society these days into basically um, asserting labels. And either you're on one side of the fence or you're on the other. And if you're on one side, you surely must be against me then, right? And if you stand for one thing, it must mean that you stand for everything on that side of the aisle. I tend to think that more and more people really are craving a moderate approach uh, to things, whether I'm on the Republican or Democratic side. And I'm not going to get into mine. I'm a registered independent, but I will tell you this without any question. I am without a doubt fiscally conservative, you know, and I am uh, on the social side of life. When it comes to that, I just simply want everybody to be treated the same. I want everybody to have equal footing. I want everybody in this country to be treated with equality and to have the opportunity to go do what they want to do, whatever that might be. I don't think that's too much to ask. I want governments like California to get their act together. I want them to stop taking so much money from the people in their state and then, and then wasting that money. I mean, I don't understand how you could have the seventh largest GDP in the world, and yet there's only three things primarily that most people are going to say you need to live, right? What do you need? Okay, you got to have food, you got to have energy, and you got to have water. Now, of course, you're going to say, well, housing is not a bad option either. Of course, it's great to have shelter. Everybody should have some form of shelter. But when it comes to just living, right, We've got to have, of course, air to breathe. That's a given. But if you don't have food, mm, that's a problem. Energy, that's a problem. Water, big problem. And yet the great state of California, which we left over six years ago, because we just felt like they were kind of going further and further down uh, the wrong direction when it came to overtaxation and, and continuing down a path of a bad quality of life. You see, when I was raised in California, that was the golden state. It was called the golden state for a reason. It wasn't sunshine. Man, if you lived there, you were golden. Great quality of life, great weather, great opportunities, great growth, great economy. You can't say that anymore. You know, when we left, we left a state that we thought that was in disarray politically and in terms of financially as well. We left a state that just couldn't seem to get their act together. No matter how much they raised taxes, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14% and greater, nothing got better. Fuel prices there cost more. 
Right now, it's around $5.50 when you compare that with other states like Alabama or Mississippi, that's $2 less than that. What's the difference? Well, a lot of it is taxation, right? $1.20, $1.30 a gallon. I don't even know what it is today. So people that live an hour away from the refinery are paying a dollar, two dollars more than people that live 2,000 miles away. And does that mean that the quality of air is better? No, not by a long shot. If you live in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, or LA, you know, what about the water situation? Man, they're all about sustainability. We've been about sustainability in California for years, and yet there's no water. And yet there's a little thing called the ocean right off the coast. Countries like Israel, I believe, get 60% of their water from desalinization technology. In California, we had a bucket of water right off of our coast. And I think we only have 15 or 20% water from desalinization. There's a severe drought. You see what's happening in terms of fires and so forth. That's a byproduct of those droughts. Oh, and by the way, what about energy? Well, hey, nobody buys more EVs. No state buys more EVs in California. There's roughly 120,000 chargers in the United States last time I looked. And I believe California is around 50,000 of the 120,000. I mean, they dominate. And hey, We're all about saving fuel, fossil fuel. That's great. Sounds great on paper. But I was in Southern California just a few weeks ago. And at the very same time, they were promoting buying EVs. And at the same time, they were threatening rolling blackouts and sending a message, don't charge your EV. So how does that work? How do you reconcile that? I mean, the bottom line is politics goes off the rails in real life, in my humble opinion. Politics goes off the rails when government gets too big, when government starts to dictate too many areas of our life. We are a country built on on being, you know, liberated, right? It's about freedom and liberty and the right to say what we want, choose what we want, do what we want, as long as provided it's legal, ethical, and moral. So regardless of what your stance is on social issues, regardless of your stance when it comes to things like abortion or a woman's right to choose. And I think a woman should have a right to choose. It's her body. Who am I to say, especially when you have situations like rape or incest or things of that nature. I mean, for God's sakes, let's have a heart. Let's have some humanity in terms of what we do. But I certainly also respect, you know, people believing that life is beautiful and life is precious and all life should be protected. 100%, I get that too. So that shouldn't be a political issue, right? So no matter where you stand on these things, on guns, on the economy, on anything else, I think what's most important as we go into this political season, this next voting cycle, these very important midterms, is what do you want life to look like? And first of all, are you going to participate in that decision or not? What's really remarkable, if you think about it, is how low voter turnout is so oftentimes. We see, what is it, 40, 45, 50% voter turnout, and wow, that's extraordinary. We have roughly 325, 330 million people in this country, and I believe somewhere approaching 175 million or so, 160 
million people can vote, but we don't get those people out voting. We get, we get some of those people voting, but yet everybody's affected by the outcome. So first things first, man, if you want to have a say, if you want to have a voice, use your voice, get out and vote. Whether you vote Democrat, Republican, independent, you have to use your voice. If you don't participate, you honestly don't have any right to complain or bitch about the status of this country, about what's going on with government, with military spending, with abortion, or with anything else. If you want to get crime rates down, if you want to support the police, if you want better schools, you've got to exercise your voice and exercise the rights that so many people over the course of this country's existence have literally fought and given everything, literally they gave all for the sake of us having this freedom and this liberty. This political cycle is going to determine a lot of things, but I think the most important thing is no matter how you vote or what you believe, let's do it with dignity. Let's do it with humanity. And all I mean by that is, listen, just because I may think or vote one way and you may think or vote another way, that doesn't mean I'm going to degrade you or denigrate you or vilify you or think that you're somehow a lesser person. I'm actually really interested in understanding why do you feel that way? Where does it come from? Because I know when I do that, I'm moving from a position of ignorance to a position of knowledge. I'm approaching things intelligently. I'm approaching things with respect and dignity. And I may not, in fact, I probably will not still agree with your side, but I can certainly understand it and I can certainly respect it. And I'm certainly never going to hate on you for taking the position that you do. And I certainly hope nobody hates on me for taking the positions I do. Here's what's important to me. You know, I'm the father of four kids. I have a 39-year-old, nearly 39-year-old daughter. I have a 35-year-old son, both incredibly wonderful people, human beings. I'm proud to be their father. And they're in different stages in life, right? They're kind of midway through life based on what the average mortality is these days. And what they are concerned about, what they care about, is different from my eight and my six-year-old sons. I'm incredibly proud to be their dad too. And I'm proud to be married to their mom. And the things that are important to me are important to most people. It's about quality of life. It's about, hey, can my kids go to school without any fear of having something happen like the terrible incident that happened in Thailand today, the terrible incident that happened at a Texas uh, school not too awful long ago. I don't care if we're Democrat, Republican, or Independent. Is there anybody here who is cool with that? No. So there's some common ground. Here's another one. I would like to have an economy that everybody has an opportunity where I have an opportunity to be able to support my family not just now, but for the long term. I would like to have the opportunity and the belief that things are going to get better and that my kids, our kids, are going to have an opportunity to have that better life that most parents want. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. Is that different whether we're Republican or Democrat or Independent? I don't think so. I want to have the right to believe what I want to believe, to exercise my faith, without having any issues or being thought one way or the other 
I don't need anybody's opinion. I'm not doing anything in my life to try to get a like on a Facebook or Instagram page or a TikTok uh, video. I'm not. I'm living my life for me and for my family. And I think most families, most individuals are doing the same thing. So I just think that as we go into this political cycle, it's important to follow the money. It's important to understand when you see initiatives out there, what is going to be the ramifications or implications of those particular initiatives? How will it change things in your world, for your community, for your family, for your kids? Will it make things better or not? There's a lot of promises out there. And let's be honest, if we all went back three, four, five, six, eight, ten political cycles or more, and we wrote down all the promises, all the hope that was out there, all the things that were going to change, how many times did that actually happen? Here's something to consider. Regardless of who's in the White House, it's the House that is shaping things. It's the Senate that is confirming things, that makes something happen or not. That's really where, where we are. And of course, the Supreme Court, that other branch of government, that is going to ultimately decide which way things go on important issues. So I just think now's not the time to be apathetic. Now is not the time also to be divisive. Now is the time more than ever to do whatever we can do individually and collectively to move this country back to being the United States of America. That's what we stood for. That's what we were built on. And that's what we're supposed to stand for around the world. The land of the free and the home of the brave. So, Go out there and learn about the candidates in your community, right? If you think that you have an opportunity, if you think things should be better, do something about it. Think about what's happened in your community the last one, two, three, four years. Were those promises kept? Is crime up or is crime down? Is economic uh, conditions better or worse? What about homelessness? What about the government's? For all the money that we give the government, are they doing a good job? Are they good stewards? Are they paying attention to financial uh, decisions and making great financial decisions that are truly in the best interest of we the people, or are they more in the best interest of a super PAC or a lobbyist group? Listen, the world is different from where I when I grew up. I grew up, you know, I remember when Kennedy got shot. I remember when Martin Luther was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. I remember, you know, the Equal Rights Amendment. I remember, um, man, oh man, you know, the March on Selma. I remember Vietnam like it was yesterday. I remember it was everywhere. It was in every news cycle. It's not like today where there's the flavor of the month news cycle. I mean, that's what we saw for years on the news, I remember Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, and everybody since then. I remember the promises that they made. I remember what the country was like in each one of those cycles, those presidential cycles. And I remember this. Back then, believe it or not, Republicans and Democrats used to actually work together They used to come across the aisle when needed 
for the good of the country because we were the United States of America. And I believe that's who we are and who we should be and who we can be again. But I know this for a fact. If we go out there as individuals and we choose to label everything on social media, if we choose to vilify everything, troll everything, cancel everything, which is the direction we're going in, it's a very dangerous path. And it has likely implications for any and each of us. It has the potential to be damaging to our kids. You know, recently there was an article about, a, about more and more kids that are leaving high school to go to college. And although they initially, you know, had these dreams and aspirations of going to these big, fancy couture universities, Yale, Princeton, Harvard, and the like, they're so fatigued. They're so mentally worn. They're so uh, anxiety-ridden. These days, after going through COVID, after going through some of the big social issues, after going through all of the gun violence, the mass shootings, one bad story after another. I mean, let's face it. What is our news, news teams, what do they focus on? What do they specialize in? Selling advertising based on misery. That's what they do, right? There's no good news on the news is it doesn't sell advertising. So these kids are fatigued emotionally. And you know what they're deciding to do? Look it up. All of a sudden, Southern schools are seeing an increase in terms of applications and population. Kids want to go somewhere that makes them feel good. They want to go somewhere where life is simpler. They want to go somewhere where it feels like it used to feel like, where they can be kids and they can enjoy their journey in college. And they don't have to get mired into all of the bullshit that we seem to be devolving into these days. So listen, no matter where you stand, it's all good. It's your right as an American to vote whoever you want to vote for, to believe in whatever you want to believe in. But by all means, stand for something. There's an old saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And we just simply can't afford it these days, and neither can you. So this is a great time for this great country, and I hope that you'll really spend the next 20, 30 days, whatever we have left into the election, to learn what's going on and to really assess. I talk all the time about taking inventory of where you are as a person, taking inventory of your business, taking inventory of your blueprint and how you're doing right? But I think it's a great time to take inventory of your community, to take inventory of our politicians, our leaders, and take inventory to see, are they really serving we the people, or are they serving themselves or some other, some other, uh, some other constituent, right? Like a super PAC or lobbyist, that really isn't going to bring any good into our lives. So, hey, I served in the U.S. Navy, and I'm proud to serve this country. I'm so glad that I served my country. I didn't do it for nothing. I didn't do it for any other reason that I wanted to make a contribution. And let me be clear, you know, all gave some, and some gave all. I simply served. I was one of the lucky ones who served and came out unscathed. Many do not. So 
We owe it to every single one of those folks that served our country at the highest level. And we owe it to our kids and we owe it to future generations to do what's right. And we, as Americans, on election day get to choose. I hope you take the time to vote. I hope you take the time to exercise your voice. And I hope that you play a role in what things look like as we go forward. And most of all, I hope that all of us will take this seriously. I hope that all of us will do something, anything, that's going to help move us back towards being the great United States of America and moving us away from the divisiveness that exists today. I'm David Spizak. Thank you for listening. No matter what you think, if you like it, love it, hate it, or you want to troll on it or cancel me for it, I would love your review. It's all good. And I would appreciate it if you share it out, subscribe to the podcast, and I hope, I really do hope, that I see you next time. I'm wishing you all the best. God bless America. You've been listening to The David Spizak Show. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button and leave a rating wherever you're listening right now. I look forward to having you back in the room where it happens.